0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones.
3: And I'm Deke Hager. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, April 10th, 2023.
2: Later in the program, the local chapter of League of Women Voters hosted a mayoral candidate forum at the Tri-North Middle School. More in today's
4: feature report. Sometimes sustainability is like just organizing a bunch
3: of junk in a way that you can continue to use it. That's Peeler from the Community Bike Project, a volunteer-run do-it-yourself bicycle shop recycling hundreds of bikes back to the streets of Bloomington every year. More from Peeler later on in the show on a new episode of Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community. But first, your daily headlines.
2: On April 6th, at the second Monroe County Election Board meeting of the week, County Clerk Nicole Brown gave an update on early voting.
5: As of 1145 today... 134 voters had taken advantage of early and in-person voting at election operations. The total number of ballots that have been requested by mail and have and were mailed out is 197. Of that number, that 197 number, 25 have been returned to us. And on April 20th, that is the last date that we can accept your application if you want to vote by mail. We have received two email requests for overseas ballots that we honored and both ballots have been returned. I wanna make you aware of a couple of dates, or actually several dates. April 13th is the day that Travel Board begins for confined voters, those voters caring for confined voters at a private residence, or voters who have disabilities. They may vote by absentee mail at their, the voter's place of residence or their place of confinement. April 14th at noon is the deadline for filing pre-primary campaign finance reports for primary candidates and this would include unopposed primary candidates in those areas where no primary is conducted. Um, on April 22nd, 2023, and April 29th, 2023. Both of those are Saturdays, and there will be early voting on both Saturdays as required by statute, and those are the last two Saturdays preceding election day. Early voting ends at noon on May 1st, which is the day before primary election day. If you have not voted by noon on May 1st, You will report to your assigned polling site on May 2nd between the hours of 6 a.m. and 6 p.m.
2: During public comment, local journalist Dave Askins asked if the election board could verify that they received a letter from Dave Wolf Bender. Brown responded that she had not personally received a letter from Bender. She said she did get a letter from the IDS.
5: What I can say um, is that shortly before today's meeting, I received an email from an IDS reporter asking if the election board was going to hear or discuss a letter that was issued by Mr. Bender. I searched my electronic mail. I have no correspondence that was received by my, um, in my inbox prior to leaving for this meeting. I have been provided a letter. It is the first I am seeing the letter today from, if this is from Mr. Bender, it is the first that I am seeing it, and so I've not had a chance to thoroughly look through it or make any effort to authenticate it. Is that fair?
2: Both board members, Donovan Garlitz and David Henry, said that they had received a copy from Brown. County Attorney Molly Turner-King shared that she received two letters that appear to be from Bender and his new lawyer.
6: And if I may, Election Board, I received two letters this morning, um, shortly before this meeting. One is from, two letters were forwarded to me this morning. One is from, um, it's depicts that it's from Mr. Bender, and another is from an attorney uh, who is now representing Mr. Bender. Um, I can provide both letters to the election board. Um, As an update, since Mr. Bender has now hired a different attorney to represent him, I will send a copy of the letters that the election board has previously signed to that attorney. Um, I know that the election board has not had the opportunity to review these correspondence as everyone has just learned about them. Um, but my suggestion after reading these uh, correspondence is that the election board members that are dealing with the Mr. Binder complaint may want to consider um, scheduling a meeting to officially receive these letters and then discuss them.
2: Turner King also announced that the proxy Henry had assigned to the matter, Guy Loftman, resigned from the appointment of proxy.
6: And I know that Mr. Henry had previously appointed a proxy for this matter. As an update, Mr. Loftman has resigned his appointment of proxy, and so Mr. Henry will have to consider if he wants to assign another proxy or not.
2: Garlitz responded that they should wait to formally receive the letters until they are able to verify the source of the letters. He also shared with the public that Loffman resigned from being a proxy for logistical reasons.
7: Quick comment on that. Um, I would just suggest that we perhaps wait until our May meeting to receive anything, because we have no idea as to the authenticity of these. Um, I certainly haven't received anything in my inbox. Um, or to my address or via phone, so I have no idea. Certainly not calling anyone in the audience that may have provided this um, out, but we, we just don't know where this came from. Um, second thing, I, I want to note, and, and perhaps Mr. Henry is is more than welcome to comment on this as well, but Mr. Loffman's resignation was not due to anything. There were there was nothing tense between anybody, or no. uh, he didn't think I smelled bad or anything oh like that. Goodness. So um, it was it was a matter of logistics that it was. Um, he can speak more on it on his own, or if Mr. Henry wants to. But I just wanted to note that there was nothing going on in the background
2: that any of you have to scratch your head about. That that's not what took place. Brown thanked Loffman for his work standing in as proxy.
5: I do think it's a wonderful opportunity to thank Mr. Loffman for the service that he rendered to the election board in the role of proxy. Uh, I found him to be very informative um, and concise, and I genuinely appreciated the opportunity to work with him. And so thank you, Mr. Loffman.
2: The election board will meet again the day before the 2023 primary election on Monday, May 1st.
3: Last Monday, the local chapter of the League of Women Voters hosted a mayoral candidate forum at the Tri-North Middle School. Bloomington mayoral candidates Susan Sandberg, Don Griffin, and Carrie Thompson all attended the candidate forum. They discussed affordable housing, homelessness, climate change, and their vision for the city if elected to the mayor's office. During her opening remarks, candidate Susan Sandberg, who currently holds a position on Bloomington City Council, discussed her credentials in light of the mayoral campaign.
1: I'm Susan Sandberg, and I'm running for mayor with a vision to make Bloomington better, not just bigger. With rolled up sleeves, a heart for public service, and a proven work ethic, I can and will hit the ground running to make sure Bloomington works for you and for everyone. What I bring to this campaign for mayor of Bloomington is hands-on, direct experience in local city government. As a 16-year member at large on the city council, I've observed the strengths and challenges of the two past mayors. I participated in the process and fiscal oversight for what is now an almost $230 million budget. I have established good working relationships with community partners and internal personnel. I know the problems that erupt when decisions are top-down and plans are less than transparent. I've seen the drop in morale when the the boots-on-the-ground workforce, the personnel who keep the wheels turning at City Hall, are not listened to and respected for their expertise. Thank you.
3: Carrie Thompson was the former CEO of Habitat for Humanity in Monroe County. Right now, she's the executive director of IU's Center for Rural Engagement. Thompson said her executive leadership would serve her well as mayor if elected.
0: Hi, I'm Carrie Thompson. I am running for mayor because Bloomington is an incredible city, and we deserve a city government that is just as incredible. For 20 years, I was the CEO of Habitat for Humanity here in Monroe County. For the last five years, I have been leading the Center for Rural Engagement at Indiana University, where we are engaged with 87 different communities throughout the state. I have led at the top level of executive leadership for the last 25 years. I know how to bring people together to collaborate on a vision that we can get behind and then empower leaders to take that vision and implement a strategy that actually works. Together, we can create a better Bloomington for us all.
3: Don Griffin was deputy mayor for the city of Bloomington from March, 2021 until December of last year. He also owns Griffin Realty. Griffin touted his achievements during his opening statement.
8: I was made for this. (laughs) Redevelopment Commission in my 20s, vice president of the NAACP, co-founder of the Black Democratic Caucus, creator of Bloomington Living Legend Award, president of the Redevelopment Commission, founder and president of Griffin Realty Holdings, one of the largest African-American real estate companies and deputy mayor for the city of Bloomington. Folks, I got you through a flood, a pandemic, and the Trump presidency. Uh, I don't wanna sound braggadocious, but I really, really wanna be your mayor. I've told you what I've done. Please feel free to check out my website uh, and so that you can see the
2: vision of the future. Believe in Bloomington. Each of the candidates were asked how they would alleviate the problems facing the city's unhoused population. Griffin said that a collaboration between the county and the city would be essential in addressing the housing crisis.
1: Working with the county,
8: working with the city, we can't point fingers at each other anymore, right? No one, the the public does not know who's in charge and and how they can uh, receive help. One thing I've proposed, I want this, uh, center, uh, a housing center that, uh, that you can have counselors there, uh, to take care, you know, someone can come in no matter where they're at and, uh, whatever their need is, and we can direct them to, uh, to, uh, opportunities within the community. And maybe that starts, uh, with folks that are unhoused and need mental health. Uh, uh opportunities but it then maybe we're helping them uh, find a habitat house you know three years later but they've got the same person the same counselor that helps and it's something that uh, uh, the hand department and the uh, Bloomington Housing Authority I think
2: would be in charge and it'll be a a uh, community facing proper uh, project. Sandberg agreed that partnerships and collaborations would need to be a key element to address homelessness. She brought up the Heading Home Initiative through United Way and other community partners as a step in the right direction.
1: The issue of homelessness is very complex, and we have a rich array of local nonprofit organizations who are providing assistance for low-income, no-income individuals in the community. And in many respects, our issue with homelessness is one of capacity. Uh, And for the city of Bloomington's role in all of this, again it comes down to partnerships, collaborations, working carefully with the boots that are already on the ground, we have a remarkable effort that is uh, that started actually with the uh, United Way and the Community Foundation and Heading home that is headed up by Mary Morgan, and Tatiana Wheeler. They're doing amazing work in partnering, doing research, uh, trying to do everything possible to analyze the gaps, in housing here in our community, trying to give us advice and information about how best to fill those gaps, And basically, the role that the city of Bloomington plays is one to assist in the funding. Uh, We were uh, a funder along with our county colleagues, and we will continue this effort, but we must analyze how much more can Bloomington absorb by way of the capacity. We are an attractor for other people from other communities uh, because of the array of wonderful nonprofit services we have here. We want to keep that effort up, but we also need to do more with uh, other options. We have a Stride Center in our community, which is a wonderful diversion program. A lot of new things have been added, but can we do more? Yes, we can.
2: Thompson said the way to solve this crisis is by building more affordable housing. She also reiterated the values of the Heading Home Partnership.
0: So when we talk about the unhoused, let's just start by acknowledging we're talking about human beings, not a group, not a problem. We're talking about humans and the challenge with the unhoused and the way that we solve that problem of not having housing is by having housing. (laughs) Mary Morgan and her team at Heading Home are working on a built for zero uh, plan. That is commendable. This is about partnerships and the mayor's role is incredibly important because the mayor is one of the most powerful conveners that a community has. And getting people together to figure out how to make homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating is critical to our community. It's also important that we stop looking at ourselves as an island and acknowledge that people Are coming here for services. We need to figure out how we can partner with others in the region and share best practices and see what kind of resources we might be able to either help them secure, what do we know about that they might also be able to tap, or create shared services.
3: In the same vein, moderator Laura Rusk, a student at IU's Maurer School of Law, asked all three Democratic candidates what their first step would be to address the need for affordable housing. Sandberg responded first.
1: Well, affordable housing is another complex issue. Affordable housing gets built with subsidies, it gets built by partnering with the organizations who know how to develop and build affordable housing. So we must do uh, much more reaching out to those those companies uh, and and the, the the people who know how to leverage the federal federal tax dollars and incentives and uh, know all about how to engage in that kind of subsidy work because. It is expensive to build housing, and the private market is not necessarily providing the affordability that Bloomington Incomes absolutely will support. And so the city of Bloomington, in our development, we have to take a look at our zoning codes, we have to make sure we're incentivizing the right kind of housing development that is not necessarily market rate, brand spanking, shiny, new, but we also need to focus on paying attention to the housing stock we already have. We need to protect and preserve it. We need to make sure that The city is doing everything to accommodate uh, more affordability within our housing stock. It is a major challenge. It's one that we've been struggling with ever since my first time on the city council. Uh, If it were easy to do, we'd have a lot more of it coming online. So we must continue to partner, collaborate, work with the people who also have the skills and ability to bring the housing projects to our community that the people can actually afford.
3: Then Thompson responded by acknowledging the complexity of the housing crisis. She discussed her five-point plan on housing.
0: Housing is one of the most complex issues that any community can face, and especially since two thousand nine, our country has seen a new way of dealing with housing. As some, as one of those people who is really good at creating affordable housing, I will tell you that there is no one silver bullet. And that's why I have a five-point housing plan on my website. We need to look at multiple channels for creating the housing that we need. We need to look at zoning and making it transparent so that we don't have builders who have $250,000 of changes at plan commission because those changes get passed on to the homeowners or the renters. That's where that cost goes. We need to activate some of the buildings that are being underutilized, and that will take a complete inventory of what we have in existence and where the vacant space is to determine whether or not we can activate that for housing, build partnerships and collaborations, and especially, take that 2020 housing plan, the housing study that we did off the shelf and write an implementable plan of action that our community can get behind.
3: Griffin then offered his views on affordable housing. He agreed that the 2020 housing study would need an update. Griffin discussed the missing middle, the new Hopewell neighborhood and annexation.
8: So uh, I too would take that housing uh, study that was done in 2020 Uh, off the shelf, because it would be on my shelf as deputy mayor. And if you turn to the second page, it would say that I was uh, on the steering committee. Uh, And that is what we've been using to get our 1,400 affordable housing units over the last six years. Um, So that's, that's the first thing that I would do. I'd also look at the missing middle, which that's also something as the deputy mayor I've been looking at, and that's finding opportunities that are already within our community, first with properties that the city owns, um, such as the Hopewell Center, which is a property of the the Hopewell, uh, which is the uh, hospital, which we're planning to get 1,100 plus units, and a majority of those being affordable. Uh, There are opportunities uh, in areas that are underutilized, and we've already had the, uh, the planning department, utilities, uh, those folks are looking at those maps right now to determine how many more houses we can get within our current city limits, and then we need to look at annexation. I'm just gonna say it. We need, we need to look at annexation to get more, uh, opportunities for affordable housing Either a voluntary or the way we're going right now. Thank you.
3: The full candidate forum is available on CATS Community Access Television Services. To watch or listen to the forum, you can visit catstv.net. The primaries will happen on May 2nd and the election will occur on November 7th. Stay tuned for more coverage of the mayor's race on the WFHB Local News.
2: In this episode, Peeler, from the Community Bike Project, talks about this volunteer run, do-it-yourself bicycle shop recycling hundreds of bikes back onto the streets of Bloomington every year. We turn now to the latest edition of Activate on the WFHB Local News.
8: Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference.
4: Hi, I'm Peeler from the Bloomington Community Bike Project. So the Bloomington Community Bike Project is a community volunteer-run bike shop where you can come in and use any of our tools at any time to fix your bike or you can purchase used parts that we have, you can purchase used bikes that we have, but we also have an earn a bike program where you can earn a bike by volunteering with us for three hours and then after those three hours you can pick out one of our bikes that are tagged for the earn a bike program. There are an increasing number of people riding bikes for transportation um, in Bloomington, um, people who use bikes to get around all day, every day. And it's really important for us to have regular uh, sessions when people can repair their own bikes um, because you just can't always afford those repair services or you can't always access uh, tools yourself or the space to work on the bike yourself. Uh, Sometimes it can also be like fixing something tonight rather than waiting a couple days for it. And when you got to get to work tomorrow, you got to get to school tomorrow, I'm in that kind of boat too. I choose to ride a bike to work every day. So, you know, the bike project is like an essential part of me being able to do that, access to, you know, affordable, readily available parts and the tools uh, to do that. And it also just feels great. it's kind of like a very human thing to have a place where you collect things and tools that like naturally, you know, recycle themselves through the recirculation of material. Sometimes sustainability is like just organizing a bunch of junk in a way that you can continue to use it. <laughs> so I did get involved as a teenager, you know, 15 maybe, hadn't had a bike that fit me in a couple of years. I wanted a bike to give myself some freedom. The Bike Project was a way for me to learn bike repair and to do it affordably. I rode that bike then for like six years, rode it into the ground basically. I feel like we see people almost every week for whom like something that we are able to do with them is a game changer. As they're leaving, they're saying, thank you guys so much for what you do. Those are the moments that tell me, like what we're doing is helping people all the time. Every, you know, every week, almost every day. I I can think of a regular who I started seeing at the bike project about two years ago. He came in saying that his wheel was busted and he uses the bike to get to work every day. And I was able to um, help him repair a couple spokes on the wheel. We got it rolling again. And then I've seen him in there, you know, every couple of months for the past couple of years he's clearly like having a great time and doing this practical thing you know. The Bike Project is at 7th Street and the B Line. and the next time you need a bike or you need to fix something up on your bike come on down during our open hours 6 to 8 p.m. on Monday and Wednesday 6 to 8 p.m. on Thursday that's women's night and then On Saturday from 12 to 3 p.m. and we will be happy to help you. We do always need more volunteers so if there is anyone who is interested in bikes we would love more regular volunteers. You know that's kind of what helps us really keep the doors open. Check out our website. Our website is btownbikeproject.org. Again I'm Peeler from the Bloomington Community Bike Project, Bloomington's volunteer run do-it-yourself bike shop you've been listening to activate
8: true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in activate is a partnership between wfhb and the city of bloomington volunteer network working together to build a strong healthy and engaged community with production support from students in the media school at indiana university You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at BloomingtonVolunteerNetwork.org. That's BloomingtonVolunteerNetwork.org.
2: you've been listening to the wfhb local news on wfhb community radio our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news cover local issues and strengthen our local community we invite you to participate You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the
5: WFHB Local News. We are local, longer.